Hey everybody, it's Britt, lead pastor at Sunridge. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunridge Teaching Podcast. You know, we are on a mission here at Sunridge to help people find and follow Jesus. We believe in the good news that Jesus welcomes all, regardless of how far you feel from God. That means we're a great starting point to explore Christianity or to sink your spiritual roots deep as a devoted Jesus follower. For the summer, we are gathering indoors with a team teaching model that provides opportunities for you to stop and process some of the concepts we cover. If you're listening to the podcast, we recommend you too gather with some friends or family to discuss the introspective questions attached to the note sheets you can find at our website. And the podcast will note the appropriate breaks in the Sunday teachings for you to do that. If you'd like to know more about us, just check out our website, sunridgechurch.org. And of course, we'd love to have you drop in anytime for a visit and to learn and worship along with us. And now, here's our teaching for the week. We hope it leads you to encounter the way of Jesus more fully. And thank you for coming. You picked a great day to be with us. We are going to continue this morning in our summer series that we're calling Formed. And Formed is where we are taking the opportunity to introduce and practice a new spiritual discipline each week. And what I love about this is whether you're here in the worship center, whether you're watching online, whether you're listening later on a podcast, you have the opportunity to participate with us in this process. And what that means is sometimes that means that we get to grow, we get to sharpen, and maybe even challenge each other. Now, before I introduce today's spiritual discipline and the topic, we have a contest. Now, what I'm going to do, for those of you who are watching online, what you may not know is that we have transformed the worship center for this series into groups of six chairs, so there's no longer rows. So if you are sitting by yourself or you have a small group, let me recommend that you get together and sit together. And as you're doing that, say hi to one another, introduce yourselves, but you will need to pick someone who you are going to designate as your runner. Now, I don't want anyone to run or get hurt, but that just simply means the runner is going to be the person who brings to me their list. And on the chair, each one of these groups has a list of 10. So in just a moment, I'm gonna tell you what the topic is, and I want you to fill out that list of 10. The first runner who brings their list up here wins a prize. It's a legit prize. In fact, the prize is an in and out gift card. So I'm gonna tell you right now, why don't you write for number one, write in and out. Okay, so here's the contest. Right now, all the people in the back are wishing they sat up front, huh? Okay, so here's the contest. I want you to write down 10 unique or different places in the Temecula Valley that you can get a hamburger. In and out, yep. Habit, yep. McDonald's, yep. Wendy's, yep. Burger King, yep. Carl's Jr., Uncle Bob's. I don't know what that is, but my dad said it. <laughs> Killarney's, Steak and Shake, and Five Guys. That'll work. Yeah. We Blake, how many people are in your group? Four? Hold on. Be sure to hand those to everyone. If you haven't guessed by now, today's topic is fasting. And yes, we chose fasting on the 4th of July when we know 
All of you are going to be having all kinds of amazing barbecues planned, but that's okay. We're going to do it anyway. So before we get started, what we're going to do is we're going to have a little group time, a little discussion, okay? So within your group, you have three minutes. Why don't you guys discuss what does this say about our relationship with food that we have so many places just to get a hamburger? All right, you guys. Feel somewhat like a cruel joke that on the 4th of July, our spiritual discipline would be fasting. And yet we actually did that intentionally. As Bob shared, we have been looking at spiritual disciplines throughout our summer series. This is the fifth one that we are looking at. And so this morning, we're going to talk a little bit about what it means to fast and how we can go about doing that. But before we go along, we'd like to remind you that over the course of this series, we've been using Romans chapter 12, verse 2 to guide our thoughts and our kids at their kids' nights out events over summer. They actually memorize this verse that says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. And so in this first teaching section, we've asked ourselves, what is the pattern of this world? And then secondly, how does Jesus invite us to participate in our transformation, this renewing of our minds? Well, if we're going to talk about fasting, it's probably important that we first major on the thing that we are going to be potentially abstaining from. And here's your first fill in the blank. The pattern of this world that we can point to is that you and I have a complex relationship with food. There's some chuckles out there, and we've said it from the stage many times in many different ways, but if we deduce life in some form or fashion, we could say that so much of it is actually about relationships, our means of connecting and reaching out and being touched upon. We could talk about our relationship with God or with other people, our workplace, the environment, and then today we could talk about our relationship with food. So take a moment and think to yourself, what is my relationship with food? Isn't there a reason why we have phrases that are commonly thrown around like comfort eating or stress eating, binge eating, binge drinking? We have statements like that really hit the spot. We have icebreaker questions like if there were one food that you had to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Mine's Mediterranean food. Mm, so, so good. You Grubhub it and DoorDash it and you go to the Costco parking lot and you should probably ask for forgiveness after you've tried to get bulk quantities of it. I remember when Instagram, and I've never been on it, but I just remember friends talking about how Instagram was this place where they could either see pictures of babies or food that was poorly lit. Do you remember that? Just as our experience earlier showed, there are hamburger stands on every corner, tons of eateries and restaurants. Some of us have multiple fridges. And so the reality is when we think about food, it is readily available to so much of us. So what is our relationship to food? How do we think about this thing that, of course, can be for sustenance and energy and fellowship and yet oftentimes we reach for in moments of distress or difficulty. 
And when we've talked about fasting in the past, we have understandably tried to remove it from simply being within the realm of food. And that's for good reason, right? When we talk about fasting from food in particular, we have to make mention of the fact that it's, it's a touchy subject for many of us. We have things that border from eating disorders to health issues. And yet, there is a particular reason why when Jesus speaks about fasting and the way that we will primarily talk about it today, it is an abstinence from food temporarily. And so how can we participate in our transformation? What is God inviting you and I to be a part of if we were to temporarily submit to this spiritual discipline, this act of self-control? Well, the first thing that we can begin to do is we can examine. We can begin by examining our motivations. And there's your next fill in the blank. Start questioning, why would I actually take part in something like this? Well, I remember 11 years ago when I was engaged, I looked at food as a means to get as big as possible. I loved working out. I remember the phrase that we would use on our high school football team, eat big to get big. And I did get pretty large. I was 20 pounds heavier than I am right now. And I thought I looked pretty good. Well, leading up to our wedding, I decided that I wanted to shred up a little bit more. And I stumbled upon this website by a man named Martin. And the website was called Lean Games. And I was surprised by what Martin was espousing because I'd never heard of this idea that you could get big and shredded simultaneously and it would actually come by not eating as often. Martin was espousing for a means of fasting that's actually really popular today. He's known as the godfather of intermittent fasting. How many of you guys have heard of intermittent fasting? Yes, you're probably like, someone please stop talking about intermittent fasting. It's like, remember when CrossFit came out and everyone talked about CrossFit? Intermittent fasting feels like that thing in the fitness and health industry that we are just so tired of hearing about. And I can submit to you today, that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about intermittent fasting. We're not talking about fasting as a means to achieve a certain type of body or look or aesthetic. And so even when we come to a topic like this, we have to question whether or not we would participate in something for the sake of just altering physical appearance. And that's not what this is. So what does Jesus have to say about fasting? What are the motivations that Jesus seems to press in upon? Well, Jesus actually doesn't talk about fasting too much. We see him in the wilderness fast for 40 days. And then when Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount is speaking to his disciples about some of their means for practicing these disciplines, he says this, and whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. And so it's assumed here and we know this historically, that fasting is a pretty common practice. Britt talked about this in his Sermon on the Mount message when he talked about fasting a few months ago. It's not if you fast, it's whenever you fast. And so we see that people commonly participate in this discipline. 
What's surprising, however, is just a few chapters later in Matthew 9, Jesus and his disciples are confronted by John's disciples and then Mark's account of it by the Pharisees, and they actually question Jesus. It's up on the screens. This next passage, then the disciples of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast often, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, the wedding guests cannot mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them, can they? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. So again, Matthew chapter 6, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is saying, whenever you fast, then you go a few chapters later, And people are asking Jesus, why in the world do you and your disciples not fast? What's happening in these scenes? What Jesus is showing us just in the span of a few chapters as he's traveling along is that the way that fasting had evolved from its usage in the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, the intertestamental period, and then to Jesus bursting on the scenes, that it had taken a form of discipline or asceticism that Jesus wasn't necessarily quite interested in. Because when we look at the Hebrew scriptures, when we look at the Old Testament, the means for which people would fast was a self-affliction of sorts. The only time the fast is actually required is in the Day of Atonement. We find it in Leviticus 16. It was, was this annual time when the temple would be cleared out and the people would have a goat that would be sent out in the wilderness, the scapegoat for the forgiveness of their sins. And they would fast, excuse me, fast during that time. And then the other places where we see fasting in the Old Testament come in bits and pieces that seem to indicate that something has gone terribly wrong or these people are concerned about their welfare. We see David fasting after his adultery with Bathsheba. And then interestingly, when the child dies, he just stops his fast. We see him fasting later on when Saul and his friend Jonathan are killed. We see fasting called upon when the nation of Israel is going through a period of oppression and seeking out deliverance. We've heard the terms fasting and praying and bringing on sackcloth and ashes. And so when Jesus says to the people who are questioning him, why do you and your disciples not fast? Notice that he brings out this piece. We will not do so when the bridegroom is here. In other words, this means for fasting or this decision to fast in mourning and penitence is not what Jesus is talking about. He's trying to take fasting away from the traditional means of it being just trying to atone for one's sins and wrongdoing. And so we actually see in Isaiah 58, a little bit later in Israel's history, God's disdain for just fasting, it's up on the screen. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is this the kind, excuse me, is this not the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the thongs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. And so Jesus is 
calling forward something that harkens back to Isaiah, essentially, that when we talk about fasting, it's not just to do away with our sins, but to actually connect with God in a deeper way, to get after his heart and what he desires. So here's your next fill in the blank. We can participate in our transformation by exploring ways to find greater comfort in temporary discomfort. When we think about fasting today, again, we often try and spread it out to the things that are not related to food. We've talked about fasting from social media. We've talked about fasting from other forms of comfort that we might get. And yet again, we're speaking almost specifically about food today. And so you're asking, why in the world would we talk about fasting from food when it seems that Jesus, similarly to Isaiah, isn't wanting to use the fast the way that common society would? Well, unlike Jesus' time when fasting is done pretty commonly, I would surmise that most of us don't participate in fasts from food regularly. Now, unless all of us are doing a really, really good job living out Matthew chapter 6 and quietly fasting and not having our faces disfigured, again, I would say that most of us probably haven't been participating in fasts from food of sorts. There's a reason why food is something that we can be called to temporarily abstain from. So I'd like to show you something on the screens for a little bit that speaks to why food in particular might be something that we can take a break from. Fourth down, coach, what do we do? I'll tell you what we do. I want you to go on the field, look for anything with an O. Let's kill them! With kindness. Jimmy, I want you to make balloon animals. Tyler, make little tea cozy, something fun. Are you okay? <laughs> we will win this for Mother Russia! Coach, you just Snickers. Why is that you? You get a little loopy when you're hungry. Better. Better. You're not you when you're hungry. Snickers satisfies. Do you remember those Snickers commercials? You're not you when you're hungry. I had such a great time looking at those. There are so many. If you'd like to laugh, go to YouTube. Look up Snickers commercials. They've got great ones. There's this one with the Brady Munch that I haven't seen a really old one. Apparently, Snickers has been doing this for a very long, long time. You're not you when you're hungry. You see, again, unlike Jesus' day, it's not as though fasting is a common practice. For many of us, we have actually abstained from abstaining from food because there's probably a level of comfort that we have, and we don't want to engage with the discomfort, and yet there's something for us in this discipline. And so our final way that we can begin to participate in our transformation is to actually consider entering into a period fasting. And that's what we're going to challenge us to do this week, to enter into a period of fasting. And when you ask yourself, why in the world would I do this? Perhaps you can remember this Snickers commercial, because you're not you when you're hungry. And I'm not me when I'm hungry. You see, the thing about fasting from food is there's actually a physical experience. There's stuff that we feel. And when we have those hunger pangs, it's a trigger. When we start feeling just a little bit shaky because our insulin's a little bit low, all right, that's a sign. 
We experience the discomfort of not having something that we can reach to or access so readily. And it reminds us, it reminds us of something more than just this present moment. And Britt will talk about that in a little bit. And so when we engage with this discipline, I'd like to say that all the other spiritual disciplines that we've talked to you about in the past, they actually are somewhat heightened, right? When we talk about simplicity, or we talk about solitude, or we talk about meditation or submission, when we are in a period of fasting, we can actually concentrate more strongly on those other disciplines that we are engaging with. I'd like to conclude with Isaiah 55, that again speaks to this idea that God is the source for us. And this week in your daily meditation, this will be the passage of scripture that we read from Isaiah 55. It says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ears and come to me. Listen so that you may live. As Isaiah is writing these words and speaking out, we see this juxtaposition from just coming and trying to get physical food. And he says, why would you spend your money on those things that do not satisfy? Instead, come to the one who can actually give you life and abundance and fullness. If you and I aren't who we are when we're hungry, perhaps we're a little bit closer to a version that God is calling us to, a dependent one on him. So we're going to take some time in our groups the first thing that you'll do is you'll reflect for one minute about the question that we are going to put up on the screen. And Angie, if you could just put that question up there. I don't remember what I wanted to ask. <laughs> it must have been that important. It's just fun to have a little awkward time on the live stream. If you were to enter in a period of fasting, what might God direct your attention to. You'll think about that for a minute. Just self-reflect on that question. And then after that time, we'll go into a little group time where you'll share about that. So one minute, and then we'll go into our groups. All right. Hey, everybody. Wrap up those uh, great thoughts. If you don't know me, my name's Britt. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I was on vacation last week. That's why I look so rested and brown. And before we jump in, I just want to say that um, aren't you grateful uh, for this day, Independence Day, where we live in a place where we're free to gather, and uh, this is such a wonderful uh, country, and yet we know that it's not perfect, right? Those two thoughts aren't in conflict with one another. America continues to go sometimes in the right direction, sometimes in the not-so-right direction, and yet those of us who name the name of Jesus, we have before us the opportunity to be part of the reconciliation in this land to, uh, to make it a place where everyone can flourish.
And it is becoming more and more difficult, isn't it? But yet it's still a wonderful place to be. And I'm very grateful for that. Um, I want to thank Jed for like just uh, setting this concept up of fasting because I know that uh, for most of us, it's, it's a foreign concept. It's not something that is really part of the evangelical community today. And so when it comes to fasting, people tend to fall in one of two categories. Either we never, ever do it, or we can overemphasize it as well. And I love what John Wesley said. If you don't know who he is, he was like an itinerant preacher during the colonial days in America. He is the founder or father of the modern Methodist church. And he said this about fasting, that some have exalted religious fasting beyond all scripture and reason, and others have utterly disregarded it. Isn't that true? Don't, don't say which side you're on, because I don't want you to look unspiritual in church. So I, I want to like give a simple person's approach to fasting without being overly simplistic. So I know that we can't cover this topic. I'm learning so much about it ever since we dropped into the Sermon on the Mount, and it's become part of a side study for me, maybe for you as well. So, But what is this practice, and why would any modern Christian do it? And I would just put it this way, that human beings have always uh, used a physical means to connect to spiritual realities. So think about it. The sacraments that we follow here, baptism that takes place over here is a physical act of actually dropping down into the water and coming back that represents something spiritual, right? Or if you think about communion, when we take communion here on every third Sunday, we are experiencing something physical with bread and juice that that holds spiritual significance for us. Then think about all the disciplines that we've done thus far. Um, If you think about those of you who did decluttering or you cleaned out a room the week that we talked about simplicity, didn't that act kind of connect you to the idea of seeking God first and eliminating the things in your life that have piled up that might be a distraction to that? Or if you think about when we, the week of solitude, simply by not talking, by finding a quiet place, didn't that help you, like in a spiritual way, listen more intently for God's voice? And then for those of you who, on the week we studied submission, you went out into a restaurant and you let your server order for you, or you served somebody in a selfless way that week, didn't, didn't it remind you of the spiritual quality of servanthood? These are kind of like formal ways that we take physical acts and they, have, they hold spiritual significance. And there's a lot of informal ways. How many of us don't like, like if you've gone to Yosemite before or you mountain bike or you hike and you see beauty and that physical act of being in the middle of something beautiful or at the beach or in the middle of the perfectly shaped waist-high wave. Um, you, you think of God's magnificence, right? Uh, how many of you, uh, like in a physical activity, 
when you're grinding in that run and you feel your breath going in and out, do you not think about how God breathed the first breath and gave life to human beings? And you think about the life that God has given you breath by breath. These are physical things that we engage in every day that hold spiritual significance. And how many of you have held a child or, or even a grandchild? And as you do that, you, like you become aware of God's love for you. And you, it's not just you think about it, you feel it as you're holding that child. So then, the physical is often a bridge to the spiritual. You get that. In fact, often that line can be blurred, right? The difference between the physical and the spiritual. So think of food and the place that food and drink have in our lives. Food gives us sustenance. We, we know that. It's like, of course. But it gives us far more than just the ability to survive and give us calories. Food gives us pleasure, too, does it not? Food brings comfort. Jed talked about comfort foods. Who isn't comforted by a big waffle with butter and syrup all over it? That's just cruel to say that when we're talking about fasting, isn't it? Doesn't food give us security? You think about your pantry's full and your fridge is full. And if, you know, maybe that's not the case for you right now. Maybe, maybe if it is, you can remember when you were in college and the only thing you had was top ramen and peanut butter. And food gives us joy, does it not? I mean, gatherings happen, joyful gatherings around food. And then if we compare the place food has in our lives to the place God has in our lives, can you see the parallels? Can you see how God sustains us? That God brings us pleasure when we're obedient and we feel that we're being used by him. Does God not bring us comfort or joy? Or isn't our security found in God as believers? I think this is what prompted Jesus to say things like in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then of himself, in John 6, 48, he said, I am the bread of life. So in these cases, obviously, Jesus is using the same play on words in the way that we're talking about fasting today. Because fasting reminds us that we are sustained by God. It's as simple as that. David had this idea when he said in, in Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. And what we experience through the practice of fasting is often a bridge to what we find in our Creator. Now, for those of you who've never fasted, you can just imagine that this is probably the most difficult spiritual practice. It gets your attention more than 
having your server order a meal for you, I promise you. And, uh, and some of us, when we think about fasting, the thing that's pinging in our head is failure. I'm going to make this decision, and then I'm going to experience failure, and I won't be able to do it. And I, would, I just want to say that even that makes a connection to God. So if you've never, ever fasted, or it just seems so weird, and even my practical way of approaching it isn't ringing your bell, I would just still say, try it. We want to experience each one of these practices because, as we've been saying all along, these are the things that Jesus did. These are practices that his disciples followed. And throughout the ages, Christians have followed as well in an effort to experience a living Christ in their lives and to be transformed. So how are we going to try and see this practice together? Well, we've tried to put together something for everyone, okay? So number one, like we've talked about from the very beginning, we're always going to have a daily meditation with one of these practices. And Jed has already unpacked our daily meditation passage. It's from Isaiah 55. And we want you just to, like, each day focus on this not-so-long poem that you find from the prophet. It's beautiful. And Jed read part of this already, but I want to just read it to you. It begins only this way. It, or it, I'm only going to read the beginning. And here's, here's how it goes. Come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. So each morning or whatever, whatever time you set aside, take five minutes and meditate on this passage each day. And then we've encouraged you to keep a journal of your thoughts. Now, to specific practices, I want to begin by saying, if you struggle with any kind of an eating disorder, we're asking you, we're, I can tell you, as one of your pastors, that you should refrain from any kind of fast that involves food. We don't want that to complicate your life. So we've tried to come up with several options, okay? But if not, First option is to skip one meal this week. You can skip a meal a day or whatever, but just try skipping one meal this week. And instead of eating that meal, read scripture, meditate on this Isaiah passage or a passage of your choice, go for a walk, think about your relationship to food and how and the parallels that they have uh, that that are there with our relationship with God and allow that physical hunger to translate in what you need most from God today. Secondly, and this is like at a little higher level, is to do a 24-hour fast. Try to go from dinner to dinner without eating. Just have water and juice, and during those mealtimes, do the, similar, the same things that we've already talked about. Practice some of the other disciplines that we've talked about, or go for a walk. And again, 
take time to write down your thoughts and ask, God, what are you teaching me through this experience? Besides just being hungry, right? This is supposed to go beyond just like suffering. It's going to make a connection, and it has for Christians throughout the ages. Third option is kind of interesting. You could do a rice and beans fast. That might sound weird, right? But you know what we're, what we're suggesting with this is that you only eat rice and beans for 24 hours, and if you want to take it to another level, don't season it. Okay? No Cholula. No salt. Just make it bland. Um, and there's, there's a number of reasons for this. First of all, many people in the world live off of that, that same diet or something similar to it. And even though you're not denying yourself food, you are denying yourself the many options that we have whether it's burger joints or whatever, in this valley, we have so many options for food. And just denying us ourselves all of those options can have a powerful effect. And it will also help us, as we've done in the past with, with the, um, the organizations that we support, like World Vision or Compassion International, that it helps you connect to the experience that those kids that we support are living out day after day. And this is a, that's a great fast to do with your family, too, by the way. All your kids can participate in that. Fourthly, and this is a non-food fast, um, that, that might get a little confusing. Just stick with me here. Fast from something that's part of your daily routine, that's important to you. So you can, uh, for a week, give up chocolate or your favorite beverage, or from working out, or fast from the news, or social media, or television. Just pick something and say, for a week, I'm just going to cut that out. And whatever, I'm going to take that space, that time, and I'm going to inject my relationship with God. And then, of course, if none of these work, every week we've been saying, you know, write, do, write your own adventure, right? So the fifth option is just to design your own practice of fasting and then follow through on it. So that's what we're going to do this week. All of us who are willing are going to find one of these and practice it. That's what we've been doing in this series, actually taking something forward and, and something that we're all doing with different options. Um, so for the next three minutes in your group, and if you're watching online or you're just with your family, this is a time for you to do this with uh, the people that, are, that you're with right now, um, is to just talk about what you did last week. This, this past week in regard to meditation. So what were your experiences like? And what, what did you learn from doing that? And then we'll come back and we'll, we'll switch to another uh, discussion assignment. Thanks. Okay, so we're going to switch this conversation. And this one's going to be hard, right? But you, I want you to be honest during this discussion, this part. Not that you weren't before, okay? But... Um, what are you looking forward to about the practice of fasting? 
And then what do you think is going to be really challenging or what's freaking you out? That's like, you can go either way with that. You have three minutes. Thank you. Hey everybody, it's Britt again. Thanks for listening. If you need help with something, if you have a question or you'd like us to pray for you, you can reach us through email, info at sunridgechurch.org. Or if you'd like to know more about us, just go to our website, sunridgechurch.org. It's super easy to navigate. We hope you'll listen in again next week. And in the meantime, wherever you go, be the salt and light of the world.